The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. Mommy, I can't sleep. How about a glass of milk? That's gross. Well, count sheep or something. Mommy, you can do better than that. Well, do you have any other ideas? Oh, I know. I can listen to KUCI 88.9. Cool. That's exactly what I'm doing. Friend us on Facebook at KUCI-FM and follow us on Twitter at KUCI-FM. Hi, I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy, which airs every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm also so pleased to present the weekly segment of Orange County Sheriff News and Safety Tips. And we are so fortunate today we are going to be interviewing Sergeant Rick Johnson, who has two jobs with the Orange County Sheriff's Department. He is Administrative Sergeant for the Theo Lacey Facility. And he is also the Sheriff's Department's canine supervisor. And he's been with the department for 27 years. Rick, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks, Mari. Thanks for having me. Well, why don't you tell us about that canine division? Well, the department has, uh, has a lot of dogs. They have bomb dogs. They have narcotics dogs. They have bloodhounds who do tracking. But I'm the supervisor of what we call patrol dogs. Uh, patrol dogs are dogs that uh, search for suspects, and they also search for narcotics. Um, we call those uh, those apprehension dogs, um, where they go out and they apprehend suspects uh, out in the field. They also uh, search for narcotics. They uh, search for evidence, and we have the largest uh, canine unit in the county. I'm, I would imagine they also protect you, right? Yeah, they uh, we practice and they're trained for uh, handler uh, protection also. Well, so how do you choose these wonderful dogs, and and how do you get them, and are they real expensive? How does that all work? Well, what we do is we have a uh, a contractor, a trainer out in uh, Riverside. It's called the Adler Horse International, and what we do is we uh, we go out there. We have a trainer named Dave Reaver. He goes to Europe probably four or five times a year, and buys uh, dogs for most of the departments in uh, Orange County or Southern California. Um, the dogs cost approximately, with training, about $15,000. Wow. Um, they come trained and certified. Uh, usually what we get is uh, Belgian Malinois, German Shepherds, and Dutch Shepherds. And then uh, the handlers go through a uh, basic training course with the dogs. Um, most of the cost of the dogs come from uh, donations from the public, from the Sheriff's Advisory Council and private donors. Wow, that's terrific. Well, we're going to have you back next week to talk more about the training and all this exciting. I've seen the, the guys in action, and they are wonderful dogs. So we'll have you back again. Okay, Rick? Thank you very much, Mari. Thank uh, you. You can visit us at OCSD.org if you want to see more. Perfect. Okay, thanks. Hey, hey, welcome to the Get the Funk Out Show. I'm your host, Janine, and today I have two very special guests. I have coming up next, Kristen Riley, who's the producer of a great film that's just come out called The Other F Word about punk rock dads. 
sounds like an oxymoron, right? It's a really, really great film. It's funny. It's touching. It's, she's going to talk all about it. And then second half of the show, I have Ava Nicole, who's a very, very talented teen here in the OC. She's going to be talking about how she gets her funk out with music and all her inspiration for songwriting. So right now we're talking to Kristen Riley, producer of The F Word. Good morning, Kristen. Welcome to the Get the Funk Out show. Hi. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, I was really looking forward to chatting with you. Oh, good. Loved your film. Thank you very much. Wanted to find out how you got involved in this project. Oh, I have to take full responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> I actually uh, knew Jim Lindbergh in high school. Oh. And I heard from a mutual friend that he had written a book called Punk Rock Dad. We sort of lost contact over the years. It actually, honestly, had been about 20 years since I had talked to him. So mm-hmm. I went to his book opening, book release party at the Key Club, mm-hmm. said hi, got a copy of the book, read the book, loved the book, and thought, this should be made into a documentary. Having never done one myself, wow. um, I did have a very good friend, Andrea Nevins, our director, mm-hmm. who had taken about 10 years and shifted careers from journalist to full-time mom. And I went to her and I said, do you think uh, this could possibly bring you back into the world of storytelling? Okay. And she read it and 48 hours later called me and said, let's do it. So Excellent. that's really how it happened. It wouldn't have happened for me if Andrea hadn't agreed. And uh, once she did, our our challenge was to get Jimmy to agree. <laughs> it's a very reluctant documentary subject. Really? <laughs> yes, he was. He, uh, which is actually kind of why we expanded the world and, and have so many of the dads involved, because Jimmy basically said, uh, you know, we had filmed him on tour, and then he basically said, um, okay, and he, talking about going missing the ballet recitals and the piano recitals and the mm-hmm. soccer games, we said, okay, great, now we need to film that part of your life. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, that's really my private time with my family. And we're oh. like, well, we have to show both sides of the story. And he said, well, hey, look, you know, if you think I'm punk, you should go talk to Fat Mike. He's really punk. Mm-hmm. So we went to talk to Fat Mike, and then Fat Mike said, if you think I'm punk, you should go to talk to <laughs> Lars from Rancid. And that's kind of how we fell down this punk rock rabbit hole. Amazing. Now, were you very familiar with the punk rock scene? Was it something you grew up listening to? Well, I grew up in San Clemente, Mm -hmm. so just coming from that area, Orange County, you're aware of it. I was not part of it, but I certainly had friends that were. My brother was, and I, I, um, you, you would see people, and you would see the punks around. So, especially bands like TSOL and Black Flag, I mean, Mm -hmm. they sort of had this very scary to an outsider, a very scary reputation. And guys, I remember guys coming to parties after going to Black Flag and TSOL shows and literally being beaten up. Or you you heard the stories how they they were taken away by the police. or So it had this this aura of scary, you know, very violent um, environment and and personalities. Right, with all the mosh pits and just, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so to then kind of explore that world that as a teenager to me was very scary um, was a really incredible experience to be able to meet these guys and see these guys and realize, just like hopefully everybody who sees the movie, they're just like all the rest of us. That was really amazing to see how, you know, Flea tearing Mm. up. I'm not going to give a lot of away, but, you know, just to see the emotion behind 
these guys that on the outside, the tattoos and the toughness, and you look at them and go, ooh. And then you, you listen to them, and you're like, listen to how they've evolved. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, how they've evolved, but that they were always kind of that person to begin with. Yes. And that sensitive person, and, and that's my hope. Of, like you say, these are a lot of guys that you would cross the street to avoid right. if you saw them coming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reality of it is they were a certain way mm-hmm. that drew them to punk, and, and then they had to protect themselves with these spikes and these tattoos and all these different things that basically say stay away right. because they were you know, angry, so angry themselves. Right, right. And then once you get past all that, it kind of breaks down the stereotypes of what you think they are. And in fact, we are all so similar underneath it all. That's how I felt at the end of the movie. That, oh, good. you know, they just, they're, they're human beings and you can't judge them on what they look like on the surface. Exactly. And that is a message that they are trying to teach their kids. Yeah. which I think is such a beautiful message for <clears throat> any parent that to just not judge somebody by what they look like. Yes. Yeah. And I think in today's um, environment, it could be really, really powerful and really helpful if more parents sent that message to their children. I agree. I totally agree. I, You know, because... I had one perception, you know, watching the movie because I, I was never part of the punk crowd. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I listened to The Clash growing up or mm-hmm. placements of, you know, different bands, but I was never going to concerts where there was typically punk music. Right. You know, and uh, but it was then scary. It was. There weren't a lot of women girls there. <clears throat> no, and then you hear about their relationships with their parents, and I'm like, well, that makes sense. Right. And I mean, even the ones that didn't have a particularly volatile, I mean, there are some definite heartbreaking stories there yeah. um, about what these guys grew up with. But even the ones that didn't have a, a volatile relationship with their dads, especially mm-hmm. like Jim or Tim McElrath, they still were angry for various different reasons. Right. And this for them, finding punk was a way to express that anger. Um, I mean, Jim growing up cross-eyed. Yes. You know, he was always picked on and made fun of. And so, like he says, you know, being cross-eyed is, is, is um, one of the few handicaps that, that people have no problem teasing you about. Uh-huh. He said if you see a guy on the, on the playground who has one leg or, you know, um, different, uh, different kind of disability, he said people are, for the most part, considerate. But being cross-eyed, it, it was, you know, it was open, it was like, open field day. I mean, he just said it was constant. And yeah, and I mean, he he had a good dad and he had, but that was where his anger came from and his feeling of being an outsider. Right, right. You know, what I was going to ask you is, did you have a certain perception or goal at the beginning of the movie and then that changed as a result of interviewing all these people? Yeah, that's a really good question. We did. Uh, We basically thought we were going to be following Jim Lindbergh for pretty much a year. We started, our first day of filming was the, the first release party for their um, the Pennywise album. Okay. And we thought, okay, we'll just follow him on tour for a year and sort of explore that and explore his life at home. But like mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, when he kind of said, well, I don't want you to be here because it's my time at home. I don't want a camera there. Right. We were like, wait a minute. So <laughs> once we kind of branched out and met these other guys and the other dads and interviewed them and realized how many commonalities they had, mm-hmm. that's when we kind of realized it's a much bigger sociological um, picture that we were sort of painting 
um, had much bigger issues. And that was really exciting when it became less about just Jim and more about fatherhood. And these guys turned out to be great dads. They are. Oh. I mean, they're not perfect. No. Who's they don't perfect? pretend to be perfect, no, which no. I love. Right. I mean, and none of us should, frankly. Right. I think that is exhausting for people. Yes. But I think, you know, they all care. They really and do. they want to be present, and they don't want to make the same mistakes their parents or fathers made with them. Right. And that, I think, is all you can really ask for. That's so true. Yeah. Um, but they are, they're, they're, uh, they're all good guys. They seem like it. I mean, I loved how one was saying there was footage of skateboarding and they were saying, you know, I can't believe that no one was watching us. So we were just on our own after school. Maybe it was Tony Hawk. It was actually Mark Hoppus. Oh, Mark Hoppus. Yes. And I mean, he, you know, he said to me after he saw the movie, he loved the movie. I hope my mom doesn't think that I said she abandoned me. And I said, (laughs) no, what, what you're really speaking to is just a generational shift. Yes. And how parents today just don't do that. Mm-hmm. And how in the 70s, it was the norm. It you, was. Right? It was. I grew up in New York. I had a key to the apartment. I was eight. Oh, was, yeah. See, yeah. Andrea, my producing partner, the director, she grew up in New York City, too. You guys are going to have a lot to talk about. Yeah. But yeah. I, exactly. It's the same thing. I grew up in Southern California. And you just, there was, you'd come home to an empty house. Right. And, you know, dinner time. hopefully you had somebody there. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, you kind of fended for yourself. And, and it's, not a, it's not an accusation. It's just the way it was. But you right. know what? I don't know that kids liked it so much. No. I and, know. Even though they didn't know any better, they they knew they didn't want to do that. Right. And so when they grow up, they kind of feel like, well, I want to be there at dinner time, or I want to be there for my kid. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly how I feel. Yes, I know, right? Now, this book, you, you read Punk Rock Dads. Did you think you were going to do something similar to that? No. We okay. knew we weren't going to reenact what he had written. Right. We knew that Punk Rock Dad was sort of a jumping-off place. Okay. And because that book is great, by the way, everybody should run out and buy it, because Jimmy has such a great way of looking at the world um, and his ironic sense of humor, Mm -hmm. but uh, and some very unique experiences, (laughs) (laughs) going from the mosh pit to changing a dirty diaper within an hour and a half. (laughs) Um, But that was really our jumping off point, because that was really a book about having infants and the immediacy of how do you play at a club until 2 in the morning and then get up for the 4 o'clock feeding since it's your shift. So it's very entertaining, but we knew we kind of wanted to take it a a step further. Right. And you could see, I mean, I could, this is something I felt when I was watching the movie and it was showing him on tour day 170, day 200, Mm -hmm. and he's trying to Skype, you know, to see his family and then the screen goes black. You know, you could feel the... Because I'm a parent, mm-hmm. I could feel the pain, like the missing, you know, the missing his family. No, I know. And, and the thing is, too, is there's a lot of dads that have to do that. Mm-hmm. Not just musicians, not just punk rock musicians. There's a lot of dads that travel or away from their kids. I mean, you look at even, gosh, all our soldiers. Um, right. and, and just with the nature of the way uh, the work environment is. And, and so I think it speaks to a lot of people. Yes, it and, really does. Sorry. And, speaks to a lot of issues that we have. I mean, the good news is with technology, there are many more ways to talk, um, but then the bad news is sometimes those ways don't work. That's <laughs> so true. That's, that's kind of what we were trying to illustrate, that frustration of having his daughter's first day of school and just staying up at, 
you know, he, he was in Europe at the time, so he was up, it was 3 or 4 in the morning. Uh, and he was just, you know, he played all night and had to leave early the next morning, but he really wanted to talk to her right after school. Uh, and they just couldn't get the Skype to work. Uh, I know. Oh, it's just like heart-wrenching. I know. <laughs> uh, but you the, saw how excited the girls were when, he, when they could see his face. Yes. Which yes. was very sweet. I know, I know. Now, when did this movie, um, you know, take, when did it uh, launch? When, when did you just release it? Well, we, let's see, we opened last week. Okay. In, um, first we opened in New York. It's still running at Film Forum in New York. Mm-hmm. And we had a one-week run at the New Art in West L.A., okay. which was fantastic. We were the number one indie release uh, last weekend. Beautiful. I know. That was really fun. Thank you, everyone. Congratulations. Wow. Um, and because of that, we then expanded to Pasadena. Mm-hmm. They're in the Pasadena Playhouse Theater right now through this week, and then this Friday we're opening at the Santa Ana Town Center. I think. That's oh, it. I have it right in front of me. The Regency South Coast Village. Thank you. Even 18th. better. <laughs> okay. All right. Yes. Yeah, so that's this Friday, which I'm very excited for the you know hometown Orange County crowd to get a chance to see it. Well, it's an amazing film, you know, and then it's produced by two women, you know. Yeah. You know, and you're both two moms. moms. Two moms. Mm-hmm. You know. We have six kids between us. Whoa. <laughs> we each have three. I have three boys. I have 13-year-old twin boys and a 7-year-old. And Andrea has a 12-year-old daughter and a 9-year-old and a 6-year-old son. So we started the first 18 months of this. We really tried to fit it in between carpools. That's what I was going to ask next. How in the world did you make this happen? It was working with each other mm-hmm. was really helpful because we we both understood where our priorities were and if there was a day or, or if, you know we just had it we had a sick kid or if we just had to be with our kids you know how kids they let you know oh yeah it's you know i need you oh, now yeah. or whatever in various different ways so right. we would respectfully give each other that okay you go take care of what you have to take care of right. and frankly i have found that quite a bit with most women and moms that uh we've come in contact with over the course of this movie coming out and, you know, it's like, you know what, I get it. The understanding that is there between women, because I'm really just, like I said, this is my first documentary. So but the, the mutual understanding and respect that women have for each other in the workplace is pretty fantastic. That's tremendous. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, okay, you do what you have to do, yeah. and then, you know, where to find me. And uh, that's been really great and an exciting thing it's, to discover. It's nice we can all be so real and honest. Like, it's, you know, you... Yeah, I felt like years ago, you know, when you when you had something family related, you have to keep it private. Now it's mm-hmm. my kid is sick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bottom right? line, you know, mm-hmm. I need to be there. I need to be there. Exactly, which is what Jimmy really talks about in the movie. Mm-hmm. And yes, his his wife is there, and Jen is amazing and does a great job. And but it sure is nice to um, to have a dad that cares that much too. Right. I love when he went off to the dance and. Oh, I know. Oh, and his a, band really didn't know at the time. I mean, he really did rejiggle, oh my re, rejigger their schedule so he could fly home for one night to be with her. But look at her face. I know. She was so happy to have him there. So, so amazing. Yes. Were there any big surprises during filming or anything that was, uh, you know, big wow moment or anything? Well, definitely, like I said, the, the realizing that these guys are all a very tight tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, they are all in this for a reason. Uh, they all shared very similar views on parenting. 
and they all came from very similar backgrounds, and they're very protective of one another. I don't know if you even noticed, but throughout the throughout the movie, um, when we have live concert footage, most of them are wearing each other's T-shirts, oh, too. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's really funny. But they are a, a tight group. They're protective. And for us to be able to kind of infiltrate and embed ourselves into that community was really satisfying and really a big accomplishment. Um, because, first of all, it was we had to get the, the okay from Jim. Like, it's mm-hmm. okay to talk to these women. You know, he sure. would call ahead first. There were a couple people like Art Alexakis. Or, mm-hmm. So he would kind of pave the way for us or Mark Hoppus. And these guys respect Jim, so then they'd be like, okay, come on in. They were your gate- he was your gatekeeper. He was our gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. He was our gateway drug, we say, because yeah. <laughs> it's like he's a perfect, he's, he's very accessible, he's easy to watch, he's likable, and he can take you into that punk rock world if you're not familiar with it, mm-hmm. um, and you, you trust him. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, it was really kind of very special to get to infiltrate this world that we would normally probably not be allowed anywhere near. Right. No, it was amazing. And then there was definitely that moment when we went uh, to Flea's house when we were interviewing him and he became so emotional. That was a big surprise um, that he felt as passionately as he did. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that was pretty amazing. And then when he sat down to play the piano with his daughter, we were like, Oh, Oh, I know. I know. (laughs) Beautiful daughter. Yes. Oh, she's so fabulous, Clara. Oh, how how old was she? She, I think now she's 23. She might have been 21 at the time. Okay. Um, but what better testament to parenting than to have a child like that? All the kids we met, mm-hmm. Anna, Jack Grisham's daughter, I mean, they were all just poised, confident, a lot of women, a lot of girls. These guys have had a lot of girls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the kids were all good kids. Yes. Articulate and clearly loved and knew they were. It was it was pretty fantastic. Ron Reyes is three of his four kids that we met. Mm-hmm. Good kids. They really seem like it. Mm-hmm. What was really adorable is to see this. You know, one of the guys with uh, you know lots of tattoos. I forget which one. Maybe it was a guy on his face. Um, what was his name? Lars. Did from Rancid, Lars many, Fredrickson. Right. Now, how many kids does he have? He Well, at the time, he had one, Wolfgang, his son, who's adorable, and mm-hmm. he has just had his second little boy in the last two or three weeks. Mm. So that's exciting. I, I love when he said, this is the way you clear a playground, bring a punk rocker and a camera crew. It's true. <laughs> we walked in. I don't know if you could tell, but like when we walked in, the playground was packed. Yes. It was packed. <laughs> and within about 25 minutes, we all kind of looked around and went, we're the only ones here. I know. <laughs> It's so funny. I think so we fun. frightened away a lot of people. I know. And Sorry. then just to see them with their daughters and the Barbie dolls or whatever, and the, they're just so real, you know? It well, broke. Yes, and that was, you know, Jimmy with the Devo doll. And yes. The, well, that's how he plays with the girls because he wasn't really interested in the, but he has all his uh, punk rock, um, rock and roll dolls, and that's what he would pull out. That's a home movie he made oh, a couple of years ago. Awesome. And he just gave us the footage. And mm-hmm. we were going through it and went, really? Really? <laughs> We've got to use this. <laughs> so That's great. That is great. Well, I love the film, like I said. And um, so, so where else is this going to be playing? Oh, thank you for asking. We are. We start basically um, 
this coming Friday. Mm-hmm. We really roll out. Uh, right now we're in Boston yes. and Pasadena mm-hmm. and New York. And then this Friday we roll out to the Bay Area. We're going to be opening at the Landmark Shattuck in Berkeley. Beautiful. And we are also opening at the Lumiere in San Francisco. And then in addition we're doing Texas Theater in Dallas. Kansas City, Phoenix, Arizona. Um, we open in Seattle this Friday, um, the South Coast Village, as we mentioned earlier. So we're going to slowly roll out from there. And then the week after Thanksgiving weekend, we have Minneapolis, San Diego is Amazing. November 25th. Great. Uh-huh. Nashville, we have Memphis, Philadelphia. And then we roll out to Washington, D.C., Denver. So the more people come out and watch it, because this is all DIY filmmaking and DIY marketing, (laughs) (laughs) the more theaters that we will get. So, um, you know, we feel pretty fortunate to be a documentary in theaters is a really exciting thing. So thank everyone for that's already come out, and thank you in advance for the people that are going to come out. <laughs> well, it's going to be a huge hit, and you're really striking a chord in the cities you're going to. And Now, do you have to do press? A lot of you doing a press junket? Yes, we have been doing it um, for the last couple of weeks leading up to the New York and the L.A. Opens. And then, um, depending on which market we're opening, we do the individual uh, press for those markets. That's a lot of work for two moms. I know, I know, but again, <laughs> but that's the beauty it. of technology. Yeah, that's so we true. can we can do phones and Skype. Oh, and, good. That's great. And a lot of national press has been picking us up, which is really exciting. That's fantastic. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, I mean, thank you so much for having us on. You're so um, and um, thank you in advance for liking the movie. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved it. Now, if people want more information about you and the film, where can they go? Is there a website? Thank you. They can go to www.theotherfwordmovie.com. That is our website. It has clips. It has little bios on the dads. It has all our screenings. has a bunch of still photographs. And then also we have a Facebook page, The Other F Word Movie, which is really fun because that's a lot of feedback from all the people that have been seeing it. Nice. Um, so either of those sites you can visit, and they're updated constantly. So that'll give you the newest and any new releases and screenings that we have. It gives you all that info. Great. And I'll just mention one last time that you are in Pasadena right now. It's- yes, we are playing in Pasadena at the Lemley Playhouse. Okay. And you're also coming up at the Regency South Coast Village on November 18th. Yes. At the South Coast Village. That's on Sunflower and South Coast Plaza Drive in Santa Ana. Yes. Great. Kristen, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks, Janine. It's been lovely talking to you. The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about the show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. Listen to the music. It's a good thing to do. Counting down and out for the count at last. Three, two, one. And the rest is silence. Only kidding, dude! Let's rock! Underground Music and Talk since 1969. KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine. And now on Facebook and Twitter. As a parent, you can't help but look at your child and wonder what the future holds. 
You may dream about the possibility of your son or daughter becoming a professional athlete or a renowned heart surgeon. But while you're dreaming, consider this. The odds that your child will be diagnosed with autism are 1 in 166. Knowing the signs of autism and catching it early could make a world of difference to your child and to you. To learn the signs, visit AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Hi. Hello, <laughs> hell. Well, AISI, it was NBD. Kids are spending more and more time online, and even if you heard what they're typing, you probably wouldn't know what they're saying. Some PPL, whatever. ISS. They chat online in a language full of acronyms, and unless you use it every day, you won't understand it. YIWGP. You won't know what they're saying or who they're saying it to. A lot of times, neither do they. Every day, children are sexually solicited online. So here's an acronym for you. HDOP. Help delete online predators. To protect your kids' online life and to get a full list of acronyms kids are using, call 1-800-THE-LOST or visit CyberTipLine.com. A message from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Get the Funk Out Show. I'm your host, Janine, on KUCI 88.9 FM, and we're also streaming live on www.kuci.org. We're back with singer-songwriter Ava Nicole. So, Ava, welcome to the Get the Funk Out Show. Hi. Thank you, Janine. I was really inspired to have you on the show because, as you know, I have kids, and I wanted to find out, first of all, how long you've been singing. Um, Singing? Okay, that's a really hard question because... You know, like little girls just sing all the time. Right. But um, <laughs> probably, I would say two years ago, mm-hmm. I was in my first band. I think it was about two years ago. So let's That's say great. two years. And do you mind sharing with our listeners how old you are? I'm 14 years old. Okay, so 12 years old, you're in your first band. And how did you hook up with the first band? Um, my piano teacher, amazing piano teacher, Roland Jenster, mm-hmm. um, he was in a band with someone who was making a kid's band because his son was a guitar player. So Mm -hmm. I was invited to be the keyboard player and backup vocalist for that. Wow. And that band was called Whiplash. Okay. Um, I think they're still together, but I ended up leaving and moving on to new bands. Nice. Nice. Where do you think you got your uh, aspirations for music from, from your parents? Um, My dad um, introduced me to a lot of um, classic rock, the Beatles and stuff. Right. And from there I realized, wow, I can use my piano and singing for um, not just classical music. Right. I can do more rock. Now, because I, I know your dad. Now, he does he still play guitar? Um, He plays more bass now, bass guitar. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he started playing like two years ago. When I started um, playing in bands was when he started playing bass. And Beautiful. all this is inspired by um, Rock Band, actually. By the game Rock Band? Yeah. You know, you're the second person who told me this. There's actually a woman I interviewed, and um, I think she's in her late 40s, and she started playing Rock Band, and then she was like, wait a minute, what am I doing? I'm spending all this time. And she went out, and she started playing the real thing, and now she's amazing on drums. That's exactly like my dad, except for bass guitar, yeah. Wow, look at that. I also read your bio, and you, so you've been playing piano since four? Yes, so 10 years now. And you never had the desire to quit? You were always gung-ho into it? 
I've had the desire to quit many times. <laughs> <laughs> you won't tell your parents. <laughs> no, they, they know. They probably know, yeah. Me. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> um, funny. But my dad didn't let me quit, and yeah. I'm very, very thankful for that. That's great. Let me ask you, what role does music have in your life? Is it a small part of your life, big part oh, of your life? It's the biggest part of my life, I'd have to say. You know, um, that whole line, music is my life, it mm -hmm. basically is. I mean, whatever feelings you have or, like, I have, I can write it as a song, lyrics, music, whatever. And then it turns into a pretty good song. I'm like, wow. Beautiful. Yeah, it's it's. Music is my life, basically. That's amazing. So from even when you were little, you were writing songs? Um, I actually, my dad was going through files on this computer. Uh -huh. And um, apparently, like, I went on his computer or something and recorded this song that I wrote. I think I was, like, seven years old. I, mean, I was just singing it, stuff <laughs> like that. There's videos of me, like, when I was, like, three, singing and dancing. I'd make my dad, like, choreograph stuff for me. How I don't cute. Know. Now, are you embarrassed by those now, or you're like, okay. No, I love them. I laugh oh, so that's, much. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. And is your sister, little sister, inspired by you to um, musical? I, I think, I mean, she sings very, very well. Mm -hmm. um, she has that whole opera, big vocals. Wow. Um, I'm surprised, but it's just, I don't think she wants to, like, pursue in music like I do. Okay. But she's a very good vocalist, and um, I don't know if I inspire inspire her in music. Well, you're both so musical. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Would you say, let me ask you, you said music plays a huge role in your life. Does it help you, because this show is Get the Funk Out, does it help you get your funk out, basically, and it how? It does. How? Um, well, if you if I'm extremely angry, I can go listen or play punk rock music. Nice. I can if I'm very sad, I can go play and listen to ballads and right. you know, you can express yourself through music very well and that's how I express myself. And I go in art school, Orange County High School of the Arts, mm -hmm. and so I get to play music every day. That's amazing. That is amazing. And it's it's just it is it's a great outlet, you know, where kids have sports or other things, music is just a great, great escape and a form of creativity that's just, you're just going to continue to do this. I can just tell. I am. I'm never going to stop. I love it so much. <laughs> that's amazing. What kind of aspirations do you have for the future? Um, basically what I've been thinking, I'm a freshman right now, so I have a few more years until college, but mm -hmm. um, um, I would love to just music to be what, I make money off of later mm -hmm. in the future, but, um, you know, music is very risky business. Right. And, um, so I think I'm going to be going to college for, I don't know, a lawyer or something. I'm not sure, <laughs> but, right. um, I'm never going to stop playing music. And, um, when I'm in high school, I can teach piano lessons to little kids and make more money than my friends will in a week if mm -hmm. they work at just like a coffee shop. Right. So right. I'm just going to. Well, what's interesting is with music, there are so many avenues. There's music therapy for people. Oh, really? Sure. You've got kids that, let's say they're in a hospital, and people can visit them and perform. Or there's a whole, if you look up music therapy, there's a whole industry of people that devote their lives to the power of music and what it can do for people. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's just... Um, it's something that will always, you know, stick with you. It's like I remember when I got my first guitar at 10, 
and we were living in New York and it was I felt very lonely before that and then I got a guitar and I I could read music so I would teach myself you know different things you know just the easy parts of a song whatever but you could just sit by yourself and have no problem do you find that you can be alone very easily I I can I mean yeah and which is a healthy thing it is it is um well yeah, with a musical instrument, I don't know if you count as lonely. I mean, right. you you have your voice all the time. You can sing and write whatever you want. Yes. But yeah, loneliness is, it sounds sad, but I think you can always embrace loneliness and put it to use. That's so true. Music. That's and so true. it's beautiful. I think it's very beautiful. It is. And you know, I think as a as a young girl, I now I can appreciate the time I was alone and then becoming musical because it helped me, you know, deal with the fact I was alone in a very healthy way because it was a great outlet. But I actually have friends as I got older that couldn't stand being alone. Yeah. You know, they had to go from friend to friend or boyfriend or whatever, yeah. and they could never deal with being alone because they did not know what in the world they were going to do with their time. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, you could just sometimes, you know, I just find that I don't have that much time to play, but I might just be have a little time at night. Everybody's asleep. And I'm like, this is just like a form of meditation, yoga, whatever. It is, you know? definitely. Yeah. Oh, I can't express my love for music. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, when do you play? When do you have that time by yourself? By myself would probably be late at night mm-hmm. when everyone in my house is sleeping and I'm just kind of like, uh, I can't fall asleep. So okay. that's that's moment of silence and meditation, basically, nice. with the music. And I can just listen to music whenever I want. How do you come up with your own songs? I noticed you have a great... What is the name of the song you have right now on YouTube? Um, Momentary Insanity. I love that. How did, how did you come up with that? Um, you know, just that typical you're in love thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a true story. Oh, it is? Yeah. You want to share? Um... You don't have to. Well, let me, um, the, what are the lyrics? Um, oh, so there's this guy. Okay. Um, uh, I was with him for 10 months. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, this was after like seven months of being together where there was this other guy. And I was like, oh, I like this guy too. So I couldn't decide, but I was so in love with, um, I'm not going to say any names. No, don't say names. Okay. Um, I was, you know, I was confused on who. I was, was I going to stay with this person right. or leave for this other person? But I ended up staying. Okay. I'm glad I stayed. Okay. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. How do you think, do you think the song helped you work that out? It did. There's that time, that one week of my momentary insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote very, very good lyrics and music. And um, it turned into that one song, Momentary Insanity, which was, how I could explain that one week of. Did you teach yourself songwriting or did you just acquire that from all the listening to music over the years? Um, You know, the first song I ever wrote was when I started playing guitar in the summer of going to sixth grade, I think. And my dad said, I really wanted this one Beatles shirt. Mm -hmm. My dad's like, I'm not getting it for you until you learn one song on guitar. I asked. (laughs) can I write a song on guitar? Uh And he said, yes. So he went to work and I wrote a song and he came back from work and I played it for him. 
with the singing and guitar and everything. Yeah. And he bought me the shirt. Actually, apparently he already had the shirt. Right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So when you're 16 and you get your driver's license, are you going to say, I'm going to write a few songs to get a car? <laughs> <Just kidding>. Oh, <laughs> If I Just have kidding. to, I will. <laughs> <laughs> they must be so proud of you. Well, I know your mom is because I ran into her at the station. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, yeah, they are. They totally are, especially my dad. My dad is very, very supportive. My mom is too, but my dad's the one who drives me around and buys everything I need for shows. And Nice. Um, yeah, I love my parents very much. Yeah. And I didn't really realize that until I realized how much I need them. And mm. with music, that's how I was like, wow. Um, you realized you wait wait so you I'm sorry to interrupt you realized how much you needed them because of music because of music yeah I mean there's I couldn't do so many things without them Mm -hmm. and then just made me embrace the fact that you know my parents (laughs) who adore you who what who adore you who adore me they do oh my gosh they do I adore them so yeah they're gonna listen to this and cry now (laughs) they are they are I'm going to have to get a like a Kleenex company to sponsor the show now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sponsored by Kleenex. Yeah. Oh, well, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. And uh, you've also done some covers, right? I have, yes. Which, which ones are your favorites? Um, two days ago, I did a cover of Someone Like You by Adele. Mm-hmm. That is one of my favorite. And then nice. The Lonely by Christina Perry. That was... Um, I love that song so much, and that one song in particular, I went to the studio with my, um, he's like my singing coach mm-hmm. slash producer, and said, um, what song do you want to do? So I just said, The Lonely. So we did that, and I didn't need any lyrics, and I could just like... It's, you didn't need like, any lyrics? You just had it all down? No, I just had it. It was like engraved inside my body. I mean, I literally just like spilled my soul into that song. And, <sighs> I, I, that's probably my favorite. And it's called The Lonely. I mean, we were talking about loneliness. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I felt that way many times. So it was very, like, heartfelt. Wow. It sounds like you've gotten so much strength by putting your emotion into your music, whether you're performing or writing. Yeah. I mean, one of my goals are, I mean, music makes me help. It helps me, and I want to be able to help people with my music. I mean, if I write a song, mm-hmm. I know it's going to be relating to other people's lives. And if they hear it, I want them to be touched by it, right? be able to relate to it, and yes. listen to it, yes, and feel better about themselves and their lives. You could actually be teaching songwriting to kids your age and younger. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if you can teach songwriting. I'm not sure. Really? Um, there's theory, music theory, but right. um, you need to be able to be like an emotional person. I'm a very emotional person. Um, but you know the whole way to put a song together with here's the verse and the chorus and the... Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. I yeah. can teach that, yeah. Yeah. Right. It's almost like you're putting poetry to music. It is exactly like poetry. Like I read my lyrics and I'm like, this is a poem. And mm-hmm. then I just put it to my music and sing it. And then it's a song. Oh, that's amazing. So are you writing a lot of stuff now? Um... You know that one guy I was talking to you about the 10 months thing? Yes, yes. It just ended, so oh. I don't have any love inspiration. <laughs> and all my songs are about love, so... Um, well, know. the next one could be called Jerk. <laughs> 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 well, 
you you need to laugh. I mean, life is so such a roller coaster. So it's great that you can pour a lot of pain into your songs, but you gotta sometimes you gotta find the humor. I mean, because mm-hmm. life will be heavy and funny and crazy, and you know, most of my songs are ballads, but then I have those those crazy punk rock songs that I like those too. Like I which don't ones? Really share them as much. Oh, oh, you mean originals or covers? Originals, of... originals, yes. Okay, all right. Do you see yourself performing around Orange County? Um, do I like in the future? Yeah. Oh, well, I already have been. Um, but Where? yeah, definitely. Where are you performing around Orange County? Um, well, I was with a band, The Dreams, for mm-hmm. the past year, and we um we played at Irvine Spectrum like five times. Um, OC Fair. Beautiful. Um, just places like that. Yeah. And I love performing. My favorite part would be performing. Nice. Because you get to see the reactions of the people and see them dance all that. And how did you find your bandmates? I know they're probably at your school, right? Um, actually, um, the dreams was I put an ad, like a little poster thing at Guitar Center. Mm-hmm. Um, female teen keyboardist looking for bands, and they found me. Beautiful. So that's how that worked out. You didn't have to f- go through a few people? Like you just found people right away? I just found people right away. I posted it and then on Guitar Center, and then like two days later they found me. Oh, you're lucky. Yeah, I was very lucky. And yeah. they ended up being very good friends of mine. So That's great. Yeah. That's great. And then your current bandmates are from OSHA? Uh, my current bandmates, well, OSHA has bands. I'm in Commercial Music Conservatory. It has, like, rock bands. I'm a part of that band. And then I'm a part of a band that um, they just recently got together. They got a, um, a gig offer in November. So they just asked me um, to be the vocalist. So I don't know if it's going to go anywhere. Well, tell me about that, the Commercial Music Conservatory. Commercial Music Conservatory. Um, in my opinion, it's the best and the coolest conservatory in OSHA. But um, okay. it's... A new conservatory, It they accepted 40 kids. There's a baby crying. It's okay. They accepted 40 kids, mm-hmm. and I was one of them. There's only three keyboardists. Four, wow. Four Look at that. Congratulations. Ava. Wow. <laughs> so you said they got a gig. They're doing a gig for? Oh, well, um, we have a gig every month, but then this other band that was one of me is a vocalist. We have a gig in November. Okay. And what would that be? Just a, Will it be a fundraiser or just it varies? It is a fundraiser. Oh, it is. particular one. But the ones with OSHA, they have their own um, concerts every month um, nice. at the OSHA campus. Nice. I'd love to come see you perform sometime. I'll give you the information. I don't have the information with me right now. That's but, fine. That's um, fine. I will send you the information. And then do you have... A website where people can follow you or if they just check out something on YouTube? or I have a Facebook um, fan page, facebook.com slash Ava Nicole Music. Okay. And um, on that, it will have my Reverb Nation account and my YouTube account. And my videos are posted there. I update you with new gigs and everything on that. Nice. Nice. Well, I just think what you're doing is amazing. And I... I thought you'd be great to be on the show because music definitely helps so many people get the funk out. And, you know, we're all through these crazy times and it's like you just 
find yourself getting so enmeshed in whether you're listening to music or playing music and it's so powerful and it it's a great like form of therapy it is very much so you know is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up um any words of advice for anybody or anything uh, you on the spot no don't don't worry about it no pressure (laughs) i don't okay no worries i want to say thank you for inviting me on the show definitely oh you're so welcome You're you going places. I can just feel it. And I, your your voice is amazing. Did I don't know if I asked you this. Did you take singing lessons? Did I ask you that? No, I haven't. You've never taken singing lessons? No. Well, I just started like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Was your teacher blown away? Because you're singing these covers and wow. Yeah. He's, the, the, he's my producer of all the songs I've been recording. Mm-hmm. So, um, he is actually blown away, I guess. I don't like That's saying great. that about okay. myself. You but. didn't. I can probably feel it and sense it. I, I can imagine he would be because you just seem like you have been taking lessons. Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, best of luck, and we'll play some songs on the show. And uh, I just think I'm, just, I'm so proud to know you, and I think what you're doing is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks again to Kristen Riley, producer of The Other F Word. And I'm going to leave you with a song from Ava Nicole. This is Momentary Insanity, and I'll be back next week. This is Janine and your host of Get the Funk Out. I am losing patience with my soul. 